0: My name is Chad Hoover. My name is Brandon Overstreet.
1: My name is Russell Gillen.
0: My name is Alfonso Jack. My name is Lisa Bennett. I'm Jack Snore. Cody Prater here. My name is Matt Ball. My name is Johnny Carter. My name is Luke Stocking. My name is Jeff Jones. I'm Brian
1: My name is Jeff Hodge. My name is Kevin Franklin.
0: My name is Jamie Clancy. My name is Ronnie Ellaby. My name is Randy Howell, and you're listening to the Faith and Fishing Podcast.
1: Hey y'all, welcome back to the Faith and Fishing podcast. I'm your host Cam, and I am excited to bring you another episode, this time with John Workman of 153 Baits. I don't have a lot of extra news this time, so we're going to jump straight in to learn from my mistake. Alright, let's talk life jackets, or PFDs. Something you may not know when you're first getting into kayak fishing or fishing from any kind of watercraft is how expensive PFDs are. I certainly didn't and when I walked up to the wall of PFDs at the sports shop in my hometown I was a little overwhelmed and just found the cheapest life jacket I could find, which was $70. I was floored to pay seventy dollars for one of these things. Uh, now there were a lot of mistakes that I made here. Uh, one was not doing any kind of research or shopping around. I could have found better life jackets for cheaper than that, and it would have been, um, and it would have been more comfortable. Uh, another mistake I made was that I didn't try it on before I bought it. If I had, I would have known how uncomfortable it was before I bought it, and I would not have purchased it. Um, so, anyways, I buy this thing uh and i don't even remember the brand now but it was stiff bulky and it had the full back Uh, the first time i tried to wear it the kayak seat pushed it um pushed the back up and the shoulder straps went up and over my ears and the bottom of the armholes dug into my armpits um so since north carolina's law is that it has to be on the boat but not on your person which is a stupid law by the way it should be a requirement to be wearing it Um, So what I did was I strapped it to the front of the kayak, of course, where I could never reach it in 100 years, um, and paddled without it. Um, After a few months of this, I upgraded my kayak um, and decided to get a comfortable PFD so I could wear it, Uh, since all of the podcasters and influencers I followed were preaching to wear it all the time, uh, so hard, and I got one with the mesh on the bottom so that it's comfortable with kayak seats. Um, it was called the Onyx Move Vent, and it was awesome. Um, it was cheaper than my original one, um, and I still have it. I just don't use it anymore because, well, my belly made it hard to wear it. <laughs> so I ended up with the Ch- with the Chinook uh, from NRS. I figured since I had to get a new one uh, to fit, I would get one that had all the extra features of the of the Chinook, which was on the product uh, spotlight a little while ago. Uh, so make sure you check that episode out. Um, but yeah, so make sure that you're wearing your PFD, um, buy one that is comfortable so that you will actually wear it. Um, try it on to make sure it's comfortable and don't overpay for one that is too uncomfortable. Savior outdoors means peace of mind out on the water. Savior makes retrieval devices for fishing rods, bow fishing bows, action cams, and more. So when you drop your gear in the water, you can get it back. Meaning that you don't have to panic when your gear goes in the drink. Check out SaviorOutdoors.com, that's S A V U R Outdoors.com to learn more and to try them for yourselves. And since you're a Faith and Fish and listener, you'll get 15% off of your purchase whenever you use promo code FNFP15. Alright, normally the product spotlight would go here, but we're doing things a little different today uh, because our guest is going to be helping me out with our product spotlight. Uh, This episode, we get to talk with John Workman of 153 Baits. Now, you'll hear me talk more about them in a little bit, but 153 Baits have become my go-to for square bills, soft plastics, and I'm looking forward to trying some of their other baits. Uh, John and I worked on getting an interview scheduled for quite a while before we made it happen with things going on on his end and then uh, my wife and uh, my wife and I having a baby on my end. Uh, so I was super excited to finally be able to make this happen. Uh, John's story is almost along the lines of a modern day Job story. Uh, he's been through a lot and he could have the attitude of God did this to me but instead has the attitude of this happened and God was there for me as I was going through it and he helped me through it. He's definitely an inspiration, and I'm excited for you to hear his story, so I'm going to shut up now and get into the interview. Jade's Jigs, based out of southwest Missouri, make finesse jigs without the lead. Jade's Jigs are made with an eco-friendly tin bismuth alloy that weighs less than lead, meaning you can get the same water displacement and profile size with less weight on your finesse presentation for the fish to feel. Jade's Jigs offers a variety of styles, including Ned Heads, Finesse EWG Heads, and Skirted Finesse Jigs, and they are ready to ship, so you get the custom quality without the custom weight. If all of that wasn't enough, they flat out catch fish. Head on over to that's jadesjigs.com, that's J-A-D-E-S-J-I-G-S dot to see what they have to offer. And since you are a Faith in Fishing Listener, you can use promo code FNF10 to save 10% on your order. John, man, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, man, thanks. Glad to be here.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, to get us started off, man, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and who John Workman is.
0: Well, uh, as you stated, John Workman, um, one one of three owners of the One Five Three Baits at One Five Three baitscom dot um, It, it kind of started out last year of a buddy and I out fishing, and we got the uh, harebrained idea that hey, we can we can start a company and do this. <laughs> and so uh, we just started uh, researching, found uh, some manufacturers, started, uh, started white labeling. And then this past November, December, started uh, getting into paint and crankbaits and um, just got into that and started moving, moving along from there. And then got jigs and chatters and just trying to expand horizon. Um, the other two business partners we have is uh, uh, Kent Keller, which is the original business owner, my buddy. That we started with. And the other one is Matt Souders. Um, he just joined us, uh, I think this month as a partner. He brings a wealth of knowledge and of retail and also the fishing side of it. So 153 base is, uh, I believe we're going to go places. We're going to, we're looking at start making our own, getting some, uh, centrifugal force, uh, plastic makers and some, uh, lead stuff and uh, just trying to expand uh, what we can do. Uh, Who am I? Well, I'm a father of three. Uh, My oldest is going into high school this year. My youngest is going into first grade. (laughs) And uh, married 16 years. My day job is I'm a full-time pastor, uh, pastor a church in Troy, Ohio. And um, we own a daycare, Uh, We have the bait company and then uh, my wife had the harebrained idea to start a food truck. So uh, She has her inspection tomorrow uh, To get approved for a wood fire uh, pizza truck (laughs) Awesome. We're we're, we're pretty stoked about that. Heck yeah. Yeah, man. That's me in a nutshell
1: That's awesome. So um, normally, uh, normally this is done outside of the interview, but since you're here with us, we're going to, um, we always do a segment called Product Spotlight, and we're going to okay. kind of just shine the spotlight on 153 th- Baits. Um, Fantastic. So kind of, uh, you've already given us the background a little bit. Kind of give us um, an overview of, of what, what it is that you all offer.
0: So we do everything from uh, soft plastic uh, baits all the way to hard baits. So our soft plastics, uh, your standard Cinco. Uh, we call them donkey tails. We have 10-inch ribbons. Um, we call uh, pigtails. We have net sticks. We've got some uh, fat heads, which is like a paddle tail. And we have another that's kind of like a Kytex that we call uh, the PTs. And um, i trying to remember off the top of my head and the other ones, Oh, we have yobugs. They're kind of like a, uh, like a crawdad type uh, creature bait that are fantastic. And if you're on uh, what is it, Dale Hollow, you throw the pumpkin seed red flake, the smallies will destroy it. <laughs> uh, so that's really been a heavy hitter there. Got an Okeechobee, black and white, uh, bug. they hammer those. And then we got into the hard bait, started painting those. Uh, we get them shipped in. Things are getting a little tougher to, to get with every going, everything going on in the world. And uh, we started getting into swim baits. Right Currently, right now, we have a bluegill, and it's starting to get some traction. And um, I have a couple sitting on my bench right now that I'm getting ready to paint uh, for some trout, some rainbow trout, some uh, smallmouth and largemouth uh, bass swim baits. Um, and a few others that you'll have to wait and see for those. Those are kind of a top secret, if you will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice.
0: But uh, getting some jigs, some football heads, um, chatterbaits. Chatterbaits is one of my favorite things to throw. I, I love chatterbaits. And so we um, I've explored about every color imagined when it comes to chatterbait. And uh, I started dabbling a little bit into spinnerbaits and buzzbaits sweet um, so there's some areas that we're playing with but, but yeah I mean if we had the spotlight one man I'd probably go with a uh, a half ounce chatter um, which we call quake and with a uh, pro chartreuse skirt which is like that old school rubber and uh, trim the skirt up a little bit if you flip flip them over to where the hook is up and the grass is down or the skirt is down rather and you trim, trim it straight across, when you flip it back over, it gives it a tapered look, almost like a back end of a, of a fish, how it tapers to the tail. And then you put a paddle tail on there, it's like a, a fat, juicy fish running through there, the little tail, and they just they can't help themselves.
1: That's awesome. So I'll be honest with you, I can't pick just one um, to, to kind of give my opinion on um I've got a few of y'all's uh y'all's baits that I use um rather religiously. Um I I'm just starting to get into ned rigging, so I've got the ned sticks. Yeah. And yeah. man, I have got to tell you I I love those things because there are a few things I like less than trying to put a TRD on a hook. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah. those things work great um yeah. and another thing is i can i can dip the tails in and die and not yes. not have them dissolve on me which is also great yes, yes. um so loving that um the uh the yo bugs are also awesome um i love those on a tokyo rig um yeah yes. the um let's see the the fat heads have kind of become my my go to trailer for for most uh, most swim jigs, um, and let's see. I think if I had to pick a favorite of of everything, it, it would have to be your square bills, um, and uh, specifically, uh, you're gonna laugh at me, but that uh, that Christmas tree square bill. Yeah. Um, uh, I I need another one because I I lost mine. But um, well, not
0: good. We we'll have to get one to you though.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I I I went fishing with my dad and absolutely hammered him on that thing. Um, so in the morning it was raining, and um, and just was uh caught five or six of them on it. And Real. later later in the afternoon we found out why, and it was because. There were hundreds, if not thousands, of, of little white perch in the lake. Um, Interesting. And it was um, it was right about the same size as that crankbait was the size of those little white perch, and oh, man. so that, uh, that had to have been what they were snacking on. But
0: bro, you hit that window perfect.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, see, I like a uh, I fish a lot of really muddy water so I mm-hmm. like a loud rattle in my, in my square bills and square yeah. bills are probably the thing I throw most and your rattles are phenomenal <laughs> thank you um,
0: yeah, we, we've been through a couple of them just, just to get that one uh, when we first started painting them we, we ordered a couple different uh, from a couple of different manufacturers and we came up with that one it was actually Matt is the one that's like you gotta do that that's the loudest one I've ever heard
1: that's awesome so um, I, I I like to ask this question whenever I've got like the owner or um, someone from the company on if there is a particular like weakness to your to your baits what would you think it would be
0: A weakness to our baits well it might be uh, a little arrogant and slightly braggadocious but I think it our weaknesses is, is people don't know who we are. <laughs> hey, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hate to be that guy, you know, that owner, but, you know, our stuff is, is solid. It, it really is. Uh, we had a, like, for instance, we, we had a situation where we had a, a bad batch of uh, 1.5 square bills come in. We didn't catch it right away. Uh, we had a customer uh, order four, uh, two of the exact same color. And uh, he says, hey man, I'm running this to to the river and first cast and the bill broke off. I'm like, are you serious? Well send me a picture of it. Send me a picture of it. And he's on the river fishing. And I'm like, dude, I I'll go paint you another one. I am sorry that uh, this has happened to you. I'm not sure what's going on. Five minutes later he sends me a picture, the other one broke. He broke all four of them. I think it was like in a 30-minute window. Well, here we kind of find out the bills. Uh, when we got a man from this other company, uh, they weren't glued properly and the bills were snapping at the seam. So we, uh, we replaced every single one of them and put him ahead of everybody else because it was one of our negligence. But, you know, that's, uh, I guess it's a default, um, per se because, you know, I guess we didn't test them all,
1: <laughs> but. Right.
0: But uh, it, that was one of the issues, and, and we did mitigate that pretty quick. And uh, one of our other flaws right now is, um, is is shipping, getting stuff out in a timely manner, because it's just me. Um, you know, like I said, I, with uh, me pasturing, and I, we have a daycare we own, and my wife started the food truck, uh, and I'm also a uh, part-time police officer for the city of Detroit at the uh, auxiliary, and... I have the bay company so things are things are tough so i i get i get backed up quite a bit uh because of the amount of orders that do come in so that is one huge huge flaw that we have
1: i hear you um man you are a busy man
0: <laughs> definitely don't let no grass grow up
1: sure. <laughs> i heard that um how uh how much, how much blood have you and your, uh, and your customers spilled because of those vector hooks?
0: Oh, man. It, it is... <laughs> I, I have learned probably about after the 20th, 30th hook, how to put them on without bleeding. <laughs> it, was, it was bad. It was really bad. And then My son, he's 11, and uh, he started helping me. He got stuck one time uh, not past the barb, but to the barb, and he's like, "I'm done." <laughs> so.
1: I hear you. Yeah, I um, I caught one under my fingernail uh, the first time I I, I used it. <laughs> not a I, yeah, I feel good. <laughs>
0: mm, no, yeah, we. Uh, I actually keep super glue on my bench now. Uh, when I do get hooked, I hurry for superglue so they don't bleed all over everything. <laughs>
1: I hear, yeah, that's awesome. So, tell us about the uh, tell us about the name of of one five three baits. Where does that come from?
0: So, uh, one five three baits. It actually started uh, from my son. Um, him and I were uh, kicking around an idea to do a YouTube channel because we wanted to. do uh, At this time, about two months, three months after that time, I uh, just came back from. Uh, a few weeks in Israel doing a, a biblical tour and some studies over there and I was at the Sea of Galilee on the north end of it and uh, our guy began to bring out in the scripture it talks about um, how Jesus came to the men in the boat and said cast your net on the other side and uh, and I'm just going to completely paraphrase I'm not going to dive really deep into the uh, theology of it but uh, you know, we've been out all night, he said. He said, Well, push your boat out, go on the other side. So they did. And it always confused me of how a man could walk up to these men in the boat that are professional fishermen and say, Hey, you need to go out and push them out on the other side And they say, Well, we've been out all night, we caught nothing but nonetheless we will. You know, you won't find that today. <laughs> but then a- but then they go out there and catch all these fish that the boat begins to sink, and these other boats start to come out to help them. And then when they get back to land, Jesus is standing there, and they get out of the boat, worshiping him, you know, you know and say, you know, take us with you. So they walked away from a professional career of fishing to follow Jesus. And, and it always baffled me. So when we was in Israel, uh, the guide was, was telling us the, the scripture story, just as, as I did. He's like, but did you know that they caught 153 fish? I'm like, nah, no, they didn't. He's like, yeah. I'm like, show me the scripture because I've never seen that. You know, even though I, I'm, I'm a pastor, I don't know everything in the scriptures. I, I do not, don't ever claim to. But I've never read that. And I know that story quite well. And he's like, yeah. So I pulled out my Bible and he told me what to go to. I went to it. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. There it is. They caught 153 fish. And he looked at me and says, do you know why they fell on their face, to begin to worship Jesus and begin to follow him after a professional career fisherman? I was like, you know, it's a question I've always asked. He said, because of the number 153. I'm like, what do you mean the number 153? And that's how he said it. Not 153, but 153. He said, because when you break down the numbers, uh, one to five to three and the 100 and, and, and the 50 to three, uh, break it down in Hebrew, all the numbers break down to letters. And then when they realized they caught 153 fish, 153, 153 breaks down and translates in Hebrew as, I am God. Oh, wow. And I was just blown away, like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? And so, of course, me being a guy that I am, I had to go do my own research to figure it out. And sure enough, the, the Hebrew it actually says, I am uh, G, uh, uppercase G, lowercase D, because uh, O is not actually in the, um, in their you know, alphabet, but uh, but yeah, it translated, I am God, and I was just blown away, so I was telling my son about it, and uh, that spring, early spring, he's like, you know, we want to start a uh, YouTube channel, dad, will you help us? I'm like, sure, what do you want to do? Well, you made that story, you told us about 153, 153 fish, I'm like, yeah, bud, he's like, let's call it uh, the 153 anglers i like, buddy, let's do it. So that's how the 153 started out. We started out as 153 anglers, and then it transitioned into 153 baits.
1: That is so, awesome. Leave it to Jesus yeah. to pick the most complicated way to tell somebody that who he is.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, but it, it is a complex way. But then I think the other side of the coin, I'm thinking to myself, but is it complex if we are actually paying attention? Because they're they're Greek and Hebrew, and it was normal for them to to do that kind of stuff. And then I and I had this conversation with somebody else one time. And they said pretty much the same thing, and I said, "But are we the ones that makes make our walk with God complex? Mm. Do we complicate our own walk because?" Using the numbers was normal in Hebrew. He did the very thing that was normal, but yet our daily walk, we we make things so complex to where things are no longer normal in our lives.
1: Dang, that's um, that'll preach.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it will, man. It will. It absolutely will.
1: All right, man. So um. so while we're uh, while we're talking about uh, the scriptures and stuff, kind of give us in a nutshell um, what it is that you believe in and, and what what brought you to believe that. What what's your faith story? My
0: faith story. So I've been pastor now for almost six years. End of October. My father was a pastor before that for about twenty five years. So I've been a ministry ministerial family. Or atmosphere my entire life. My great grandfather was, was a pastor uh, so it's kind of just been in our family. Um, been through um, several different types of adversity in my life but kind of the all whole moment. I was in college. I was at Bible College and uh, I had a situation where I was uh, while well, I was valeting cars downtown uh, Indianapolis and I uh, had a drunken homeless man come up to me. And at this point in college, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in a ministry, stay in church. Just I wasn't sure at all. And I questioned so many things in my life because I don't know if our listeners are familiar with being in a ministry, but it is, it is a tough life. It is a it is a tough, um, lack of better words, a job. Uh, and it's tough on the family. It's very taxing of your time and your energy. And everything. So I was unsure if I wanted to wanted to follow in the footsteps of my, my grandfather and, and my father. And so downtown, valeting cars at Morton Steakhouse, and this drunken homeless dude walked up, and I did what any nineteen year old kid would do. He tried to get the drunken homeless man to break dance for you, so you, you know he could fall on his face. So that's what I did. He walked <laughs> up to me. I tried to get him to dance. and It is the truth, man. I, I tried to get him to dance, and uh, I looked down at the podium that I was leaning on, and I looked up, and I had khakis on, I had a red polo shirt it said uh, Town Park uh, logo, no name tag, no nothing. And that guy, when I looked up, looked at me and pointed his finger in my face, and he—he's and the smell of alcohol left. He stood straight up. He looked at me, and my eyes and pointed his finger in my face, and he said, Jonathan the Workman, I have called you to preach my word. I'm like, what? I put my head down. It's like, what's going on? And I looked up, and that dude was gone. Nowhere to be found. Yeah, bro, you want to talk about a come-to-Jesus moment. And I was like, yeah. All right, God, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Let, let's do this. <laughs> and so... Fast forward to 10 years later, married, uh, got two kids, and uh, wife has has a miscarriage. A few months later, uh, I was in March, um, and then a few months later in that, um, July, I think it was July 7th, I had my first heart attack. Then three months later, uh, wife... Wife had um, another miscarriage. This time, we actually heard, got to hear the heartbeat and everything. So we decided after after that miscarriage, what we were going to wait. At the time, I I owned a gun shop. Uh, I had a class seven. I was able to manufacture firearms, ammunition, um, and we was able to do a lot of really cool stuff. And uh, the first seven months, I was in business. I did just under $800,000 in sales and gross sales. The second year, I didn't do over 170,000 gross sales for the entire 12 months. I didn't understand why. That was one of the reasons why I, I had a heart attack at um, that time. Then the wife had a miscarriage, so I lost my business uh, that December. We decided to close doors. I just didn't want the stress of it no more. I um, ended up getting a job at UPS as a supervisor long story short, fast forward to that summer, my wife got pregnant again, but now that our youngest daughter, uh, Joni, and uh, almost lost her. She had to take some special medication. Luckily, I had great insurance. That was uh, $1,200 per day just for her medication and uh, to help her keep the child and uh, insurance paid for it, no problem. Then September 11th, Uh, On that day, I don't know why that day, but on that day, 2015, I was diagnosed with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, So I had to go tell my wife, my parents that, you know, hey, I've got cancer and don't know if I'm going to live or die, you know. And so I was just rocked to my core. Next day, I got up, and there was a spot on the river I used to always go to just to think. it's kind of like my place. I went there, and I remember very vividly praying for the man that was going to take my place as a husband and as a father. And uh, started treatment at OSU November 17th. had my second heart attack. Uh, from there, I uh, went into the, the first of the year my health started depleting I started going downhill um, just I'll just spray the details just just a lot of a lot of things just unraveling very quickly with my health um, skin pigmentation heart palpitations um, nerve damage um, just a lot of issues got into February uh, my my boy Barrett uh, we had to put him down my, my boxer he was kind of like my anchor got home from treatment and he sit in front of me, put his head on my lap and just sit there and, and just comfort me all day after my, my treatment and had to put him down at the beginning of February. And then the end of February, my wife went in labor with our youngest child. And we're there at the hospital. We had to plan it because that Monday I had treatment and I still had two more treatments after that. So that uh, that Friday, we told her we, we have to have the child on that Friday because once I have treatment, I cannot touch my wife or my newborn child for five days after each treatment. So that Friday, uh, she went into labor, and uh, I looked up, and there was two different crash teams coming in and almost lost my wife and my daughter both. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and says, if you don't pray, you're going to lose your wife and your, your unborn child. So I begin to pray. All the stats came up: uh, blood pressure, heart rates, everything went up. We begin to pray, and they were they were fine. They were great, and uh, had two more treatments after that. And every time I had a treatment, I couldn't touch my daughter or my wife for five days. I couldn't hover over her. I couldn't go near her because if I hovered over her, and uh, a sweat droplet or saliva or something like that would get on her, she would actually get cancer, and it would ultimately take her out. And so, for five days after both those last two treatments, I couldn't I could go near her. And then uh, after the treatment, I didn't understand the psychological effects and the actual brain effects, how the brain affects the chemo, and didn't understand how the chemo stopped the brain for uh, producing the proper endorphins to uh, properly to deal with things. So I went through a, a spout of depression, uh, almost took my life two different times during that time. Ended up getting the help that I needed got on some medication to to help kickstart start uh, kick start that back up And so everything's going great go back for a checkup Only to find out so that hey uh, We're gonna have to take out your thyroid because we think you have papillary cancer I'm like you gotta be kidding me You know, I, I just went through six months of chemo had a heart attack almost lost my wife and my child and now you're going to take out my thyroid?" So we went in, and they they were only supposed to take half of it out, and they went in there. Uh, they found a sticky substance wrapped around the nerve uh, to my voice box, and so they had to remove all of it. And the doctor came out and talked to my wife and my parents. Um, they said, "Yeah, you know, we had to take it all, and they're like, oh, who's going to be very upset about it? Which I was. And uh, the doctor of the OSU uh, told my wife and my parents that if he would have not have taken that that sticky substance off my voice box, that it would have made its way into my voice box and it would have took my voice. The doctor tells my wife and my parents that God used my hands to heal your son so he could tell others what God has done for him because I would have lost my voice never to be able to talk, never be able to speak ever again. And so since that point, we've just been pushing through, making things happen. God's been doing great things. Uh, Two years after that situation, I was involved in a serious car accident. Uh, I tore my rotator, broke my humerus. And uh, now my whole right side shoulder and arm and everything, all that needs to be replaced. And the lady didn't have enough insurance to to do that, but we still give God praise for it. So we just keep uh, keep pushing forward, keep making things happen, and we can't give up for what uh, what God has done, what He's brought us through.
1: So, man, you were not kidding whenever you were talking about adversity. So, um, how do you keep a how do you keep a positive outlook? How do you keep a smile on your face? Um, well, there's an
0: old song that says nobody told me the road would be easy, but he's brought me this far. So it's one of those things, I, I had a buddy, same age, wife was pregnant with their first child. He had Hodgkin's lymphoma, stage three, and he, and he died. One year after I finished my treatment, he passed away. And so I just, I just thank God for it because that could have been me. I prayed for the man that was going to take my place. But I believed that God was going to heal me because here's my thought pattern. My wife was pregnant. She had two miscarriages beforehand. Now she's pregnant. She's had medication to help her to stay pregnant. So why would God give me something only to take me away from it? It didn't make any sense to me. So I seen my wife's pregnancy as a beacon of hope, like the children of Israel with a you know, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It is a it is a cloud, you know, just like the cloud the size of a man's hand over the ocean. And Elijah sent his uh, his servant up to look. You know, it was a sign that his promise is gonna stay true, that I, I will come through. And man, there's there's people out there in worse shape than I am. So who am I to, to say you know, God, how, how dare you? Now, he's got a lot of explaining to do when I get up there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's one of those things, Dan, that you just, it, each day has its own hurdles. You know, I, I still had adverse effects from, from severe memory uh, and memory loss issues. Um, that's half the problem with some of the shipping stuff because uh, I can never remember to, to do that. Um, to basic conversations, my, my memory was slipped, uh, to neuropathy. I have nerve damage in the right side of my neck. I, I can't wear a necktie no more. Um, pigmentation issues, heart palpitations, I mean, all these things has caused me to slow down. And believe it or not, before uh, before uh, cancer, I was, I was running a gun in about 17, 18 hours a day, seven days a week.
1: It sounds like you're not too far uh, from that now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's uh, it comes in waves, but uh, when I have a long day like today, um, it, today was a long day. Uh, it'll take me a few days to bounce back. I, I don't bounce back like I used to. Um, I've done a few tournaments this this fishing tournaments this summer, and I'll go you know day or two beforehand. Uh, and fish it. Find out where I'm going to go, and then fish the day of the tournament. After that third day, um, you'll see pictures. Day of first day of practice, and the day end the day of tournament. My face is all swollen. Uh, my hands are swollen, um, and it takes me about a week to be able to get you know to bounce back from that. So it's one of those things that you just take each day, a grain of salt. Thank the Lord for waking you up. You face another day because you know. Better than the alternative.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, whenever you're whenever you're fishing those tournaments, are you fishing from a boat or from a kayak or what, from what kind kayak. of tournaments? Kayak. What kind yeah, of kayak? Do, are you? I,
0: I am running the uh, the Hobie PH14 uh, with the uh, XI3 and the uh, the Garmin uh, Fish Finder.
1: Okay. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: I, I love that thing. The problem is, I, I think it's a bass boat, and it's not because I'm running like 14 plano boxes and like nine rods. So,
1: I hear it's, you.
0: It's tough. It's tough.
1: <laughs> I've I've I tend to carry more than I need on mine too. I yeah. I, I think the last time I went out, I had I had eight rods. Um, and yeah. I don't have horizontal storage, so they were all sticking up behind me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I'm very thankful for that horizontal storage because, man, I'd look like a tree coming across the water.
1: <laughs> I hear you. So um, so this uh, this next question um, is, is always my favorite one to ask that I get to ask people. But in, in your case, I, I know it's going to be a powerful one because... Um I have a feeling that given what you've been through um every every memory is a special one um, but uh what fishing story or memory means the most to you?
0: Hmm. I'd say I remember the first time I ever went out on my grandfather's fast boat um, I was eleven years old and he took me out just him and I. And that was the first time I ever used the old school bait casters.
1: Yeah, nice. those,
0: those, those round cylinder ones. And I remember the very first cast, man, I right that thing to hear the kingdom come. And my, my grandfather was never, never a church man. And, uh, he never lost his school He never yelled, screamed, hollered. He never cursed, nothing. He just said, just bring it up here. We'll get it out and uh, I'll never forget that I walked up there with my head down and he uh, pulled it all out showed me how to cast it, it not that point forward and I was hooked on bait casters and uh, he's deceased now from lung cancer and the rod that he taught me I have sitting in my uh, my bedroom
1: that's awesome he sounds an awful lot like my grandpa deal he um, grandpa was uh, everyone called him a gentle giant he was um, he was six four, but giant is a little bit of a stretch because he was he was a string bean. But as a matter wow. of fact, if you ever watched Hee Haw, the the character String Bean reminds me a lot of my grandpa Steele. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. But he um, he never ever um, he never lost his his temper um, with with me or my sister. And um, my dad puts it this way: I only saw my dad mad once, and I deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um. Yeah. So he he sounds an awful lot like my grandpa Steele. Yeah. So uh, whenever you're out fishing with somebody, what are you typically talking about?
0: Oh man, yeah, you know, that's a hard one because I I'm I'm somewhat of a loner when when I go. Um, I've been out fishing with Matt Satter and, and Brad Hicks. Uh, I think it was the last. Group, no, Matt, Matt Satters and I, we went together. And, uh, I remember, serves me correctly. He just got a, uh, the Garmin LiveScope And so he was playing around with that. And, uh, I think we talked about that for the most part. I, I'm usually a loner because with all the activities I've got going on in my life, uh, fishing is the one place that I can mentally unplug and I don't have to talk. I can just enjoy the quiet and uh so I honestly I don't really talk so
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you um that is awesome um it's 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 refreshing to hear a pastor say that because um, I, I feel you um I'm I'm the same way I I can be outgoing I can I can stand in front of a crowd and talk um I uh before I uh, before I moved to this area, I was uh, working as a youth pastor in a in little bitty old place in Deep Run, North Carolina. But um, so, uh, but I'm like I can be outgoing, but I'm definitely an introvert, and I am yeah. I'm someone who's not gonna. <laughs> my dad used to introduce me to people when I was little. Say, this is my son Cameron. He doesn't talk to people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, now look at you running the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right, man. So uh, with all of our guests, we always uh, end the show with a little bit of fun with a segment we we call "What's Your Favorite." It's pretty self-explanatory. I'll ask you your favorite in a few different categories. Um, yeah. But uh, so to start us off, what's your favorite scripture?
0: Oh, Genesis one and one. Uh, Just a few uh, short words uh, of the Bible. The very uh, first few words is the first four: "In the beginning, God."
1: I love it. My Uh,
0: my favorite one's my go-to when life's falling apart. Just remember, first four words uttered in the Bible was "In the beginning, God."
1: That's awesome. What about a particular uh, story from the Bible? Samson nice
0: Samson's one of mine because as a teenager um, I struggle in that avenue of emails I shouldn't shouldn't have been with and so it's, it's relatable but it's one of those things that the uh, Lord saved me and allowed me not to fall into that trap
1: absolutely that's awesome if
0: I can have a second one when David and this past couple years has really become my favorite only because of the experience is when David uh, killed Goliath when he pulled the five smooth stones that has become one of my favorite ones because I stood in the same brook in that same valley and I now have five smooth stones on my bookcase from the same brook that David pulled from
1: oh man that's awesome yeah alright so what's your favorite fish to catch
0: largemouth if I'm freshwater fishing
1: okay what about saltwater blue marlin oh nice that's on my bucket list
0: the uh, last one I caught was 11 and a half feet long 754 and 5
1: holy cow that's awesome
0: two and a half hours rod and reel
1: <laughs> man that's longer than yeah. this room I'm in <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. So, what's your favorite fish to fish for?
0: Favorite fish to fish for? Be largemouth. I, I love fishing for largemouth.
1: Absolutely. What is it? Is it the puzzle? Is it the, is it the, the gear? Is it the fight? What is it?
0: Oh, it, it is probably the the puzzle. Um, I, I like to think of myself as a thinking man, uh, slow to react. And so I feel like largemouth are, are the same way. Is, they're, they're puzzle pieces. And when all the puzzle pieces come together, everything tends to work. And so you got to constantly, you know, I'm constantly going through my tackle box by the end and my, my center pail is, is full between my legs there uh, of bait that I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't used and didn't catch nothing. So I, I think I enjoy just the fact of it. That it's a giant puzzle and that's the only thing in your mind at the time is how can you outsmart them and what is going to work
1: awesome what about your favorite fish to eat
0: hmm that
1: is a tough one
0: uh you know a few weeks ago i was up at lake Erie, you just had fresh walleye that was pretty good
1: i hear you having a I haven't had walleye yet but i keep hearing how good it is i'm gonna to have to try it as soon as i can
0: yeah it's nice and white and flaky oh man it'd make like my mouth water
1: <laughs> i hear you um and uh what's the best way to have your walleye cooked
0: i'm a fat kid bro deep fried
1: <laughs> i hear you all right man so um i won't ask for any secret spots or gps coordinates or anything but what's your favorite body of water to fish <laughs>
0: Oh, favorite body! You know, there's a little local place here in, in my town uh, that I, I go to all the time. It's, it's heavily fished, and I mean heavily fished. But for whatever reason, every time I get out there, it's just peaceful. There's nothing massive there. I think the biggest I, I've caught there is three and a half pounds. There's so nothing huge, but oh, there's something about it. Just my my favorite place to go if I'm in the kayak, if I'm bank fishing. Um, because I'm on the uh, Auxiliary Victoria Police Department, uh, they allow us to go out there and fish for free, if not at $10,000 for membership. So I go out and fish there just to bank fish and just walk around and just get lost in, uh, in fishing. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Heck yeah. And, uh, again, I don't want you to have to give away too many secrets if you don't want to, but what's your favorite lure to sure. throw?
0: Uh. My favorite lure would be, have to be my, uh, my half-ounce white uh, uh, quake, the chatter, with uh, the pro chartreuse uh, skirt. Then I flip it upside down, and then I, I trim it straight across, because when you flip it back over, the skirt is tapered. And then I put a five-inch uh, uh, fathead on, white fathead.
1: Awesome. And uh, last but not least, man, what's your favorite time of year to fish?
0: Favorite time. You know, I love the transition between winter and spring. Uh, I love the spawn like, like anybody else, but there's just something about the color in fall. For Being sure. on the water and leaves falling, man, it's just, you, you can't beat it. You can't beat it.
1: Absolutely. I'm a better fisherman in the springtime, but fall doesn't have the pollen. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to start wrapping things up, man, if you would. Um, what you can tell us, let us know what you've got coming for you and for the 153 baits.
0: Well, we, uh, we have actually been researching trying to uh, find out what direction we want to go as far as uh, the soft plastic line. Uh, we are talking about creating our own. Uh, we are looking at some, some centrifugal force so we can uh, do soft plastics and also the lead force. Um, so we are looking at that. Um, because currently right now we, we white label everything. And we have been contacted by a few others, uh, other podcasts that want us to make some special colors. And so we are, uh, we're considering getting into pouring our own. I mean, we have a few right now that we do that are just open pour. That's not on our website that we've been trying to master. But, uh, we're looking to, uh, to possibly here by, by this time next year to get into, uh, pouring our own. Uh, Via centrifugal force
1: so what does um, what does that mean as opposed to like injection molding or um, or whatever like what's the what's the centrifugal force part
0: so centrifugal force is uh, where it spins spins in circles Uh, the price difference is about fifteen thousand dollars so uh, that's why we're looking in that direction because uh, the price of the uh, of the mold injected Well, so that's that's really the only reason why we're looking at the centrifugal force um, We have looked into some like the do it molds where you can manually uh, push the plastic in um, I just I'm Not sure I, I'm very intrigued by the centrifugal force and, and how it operates and works and how we can do uh, double duty
1: For sure all right, man, and uh, you got any uh, supporters or sponsors, people you want to give a shout out or thank you to? Just,
0: just my wife and my kids for allowing me to do the things that I love to do, and the two fellas that uh, has jumped in this adventure with me, uh, Kent and Matt. You guys are awesome. I greatly appreciate you guys uh, for tolering all my crazy, crazy ideas. Um, and then, you know, last but not least, but my uh, my cousin. Cousin Nick, he kind of helped us uh, in the beginning part of this, push us through. He's Not technically an official owner, you know, air quotes here, but he he definitely jumps in and helps us uh, with, with the marketing aspect. because him and his wife own a company, and helps us uh, drive towards the uh, the proper time for seasons and stuff of that nature. So, I'm very thankful for these guys that that helps 153 and for my wife and kids. And to top it all off your lord above for giving me another day to breathe
1: absolutely and um if you uh if listeners want to get in touch with you follow you on social media buy some baits follow 153 um how do they find you
0: 153baits.com you go to the bottom of the page find all of our social media down there uh if you don't want to go that route 153baits on instagram and facebook
1: awesome well john thank you again uh for coming on the show um it's been it's been a great one i'm looking forward to, forward to this one coming out man
0: hey anyway, buddy thank you for your time i appreciate it
1: get outdoors pedal and paddle in greensboro north carolina offers a huge variety of kayaks kayak accessories stand-up paddle boards and bikes and biking accessories from all your favorite brands like yak attack Bonafide, nrs bending branches kayak cushion perception native and many more Get Outdoors offers demo days, rentals, repair and outfitting, expert rack installation, as well as courses to get you comfortable in your new boat. Check them out at shopgetoutdoors.com or stop by the shop and tell them Faith and Fishing sent you. Thank you so much to John for coming on the show and opening up with us about what you've been through um, and talking 153 baits with us. As always, John's links, uh, links to 153 Baits, links to all things Faith and Fishing, Save Your Outdoors, Get Outdoors, Pedal and Paddle, and to Jay's Jigs will be in the show notes. Um, That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Y'all take care, and God bless. Thank you all for listening to the Faith and Fishing podcast. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoy the show. And follow the show on Instagram at Pod or at facebook.com slash Be sure to reach out to one of the amazing pastors in your community if you have questions about faith, and make sure you join the Faith and Fishing community on Facebook. Special thanks goes to Tyler Worrell, the graphic designer behind the Faith and Fishing logo. The Faith and Fishing podcast is produced by Cam Steele, and the music for the show is written, recorded, and performed by Jonathan Influenzi and Cam Steele. Thanks again for listening. Y'all take care, and God bless.